Welcome to episode 30 of Something Inventive. Happiness is a lemonade. Al and I review our Bath Digital Festival experience and what we'd do next time to make our lives easier and improve the quality. I share my experience of the London Podcast Festival, including how to make dollars, and we round off with a look at .uk domains. The sponsor for this episode is Inventive People. If you need a blog article written, your website updated, some new staff photos or a case study video, check out inventivepeople.co.uk. And as a listener to this podcast, you'll get 20% off your first order with discount code INVENTIVEPODCAST. Well, where should we start? Um, the beginning. It, at the beginning. It's been a very busy month, it feels, and we're, we're you know, we're, we're mostly through it, almost in December. We're nearly there, nearly to Christmas. Yeah, how many uh, Mondays to Christmas? Oh, far too Five, many Mondays. Six. Is that it? Well, it can't be many, can it? I um, heard someone talk about a person's life in the number of summers they had. Mm. And when you look at it, something like 70 summers, and actually by the time you can enjoy them, really, you're looking at minus, what, 15, 20 summers have already gone by the time you really start getting into summers. And then the mm. latter part of your years, you're not really going to enjoy them. She was going to be indoors. You might have ill health, so you can knock off a few there. And you're really looking at... Uh, 12 summers. Yeah, 12 summers. <laughs> but when it's something like, I don't know, 30, 40, it doesn't sound many, does it? When you think of uh, you've no. got that many summers available, um, mm. it's, it's crazy. If you, if you just look at how many days you have, it's actually not that big a number. It's not. So we, it's so not we, as big as you would think. So we need to be more, more, we need to treat each day as, as if it's our last. Is that what you're saying, Al? No, I don't really subscribe to that because, you know, you might go out and spend all your money, get really drunk, maybe go and, <laughs> I don't know, do a bungee jump or fly out, jump out of a plane, uh, you know, give all your possessions away, that kind of thing. And the next oh, day yeah. you're like, ah, there's That's... another day I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> so, um. I subscribe to uh, the idea of, um, uh, yeah, treat every day as if you're last, but it's quite likely there's going to be another one tomorrow. So just prepare <laughs> a little bit in advance for that as well. So just hedge your bets. But, don't, but don't assume because you don't know. But yeah, hedge your bets a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's, um, you'd be a good insurance salesman then. Do you think so? <laughs> I don't know. Because I'm really, uh, yeah, I have a big problem with insurance, but that's a whole other that's a whole other ball game. So oh, we, we can we can go into that now if you want. Now if you want to let it <laughs> no, out, it's, it's far too long. No, and I, yeah, I need to have got written down a few things, <laughs> made some research. Let's get my facts right. You heard it here uh, first. It'll be yes. it'll be coming to a future podcast episode. Thrilling, I'm sure it will be. Yes. <laughs> um, we've got quite a few things to talk about this episode. We've been very uh, busy. I can't. Was it last month the Bath Digital Festival happened? I can't uh, remember. It exactly feels, a month ago. It was really. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, because we've been working on the video for it that we did at the time, and that's sort of prolonged. It's been out for a, a little while. So <laughs> prolonged the agony. <laughs> <laughs> not, not at all. It wasn't agony. No, it wasn't the festival agonizing. was great, but actually, it, we'll talk. We'll come back to that. So we're, mm. we're going to give a little. Al's got a little summary, and we're going to talk about our, our experience of producing our two-day festival special. I also want to get back to the London Podcast Festival, which was, uh, that was back in September now. But there was actually a good couple of points on there, particularly to do with monetization. Yeah. Making money, basically, from a podcast. 
Um, so the good points there I want to look at, and then Al wants to touch on um, .uk domains, because we had a blog post, uh, what, two years back or something like that? I put a reminder in Basecamp to ping up, um, because actually since .uk domains came in, they were giving people a bit of time before they started releasing them. Um, but anyway, um, Al's going to fill in the details on that. Um, and go through that with you. But before we continue, before we start properly, I just want to go back um, and do some follow-up on deepfakes, which we talked about um, in episode 28 now. And one of the questions that Al and I had about that was, what is the use, apart from making fraudulent video or, or making the president say something he didn't say or correcting maybe something he, he should have said, we were saying, what is the purpose of this um, algorithmic technology? What can you use it for, for good? Um, and something that cropped into my mind while I was watching the film They Shall Not Grow Old, which was on BBC over Remembrance Sunday. I think it's still available to watch now. Um, it's a really good film and it takes a lot of old um, war footage from the time. Um, is There was no audio to a lot of that footage, I think most of it. And so they've overlaid it with interviews that the Imperial War Museum have taken when um, at some point after the, the war had finished and so they were documenting the process so that so a lot of those um, people weren't weren't yet old and what the uh, director peter jackson had done i think he directed films like lord of the rings lord of the rings. most famous work i think yeah. that's I, I knew it because i just read it <laughs> um so Peter Jackson uh, directed Lord of the Rings. And so this is uh, sort of a passion project for him to, to do this. And I was just thinking while watching it, because the whole film is based around this old footage, which then at some point comes to in the film comes to life and becomes colorized and full of audio. And in some cases, is three dimensional and has life to it. And so um, I was thinking, uh, was were these deep fake technology used to recreate a lot of this footage. Now, I haven't read the full article yet where it, where it goes into that, but there is a quote which I'll pull from it. Jackson talks in military terms of throwing a lot of firepower at it. He was able to bring to bear the equivalent of 7,000 computers and 15,000 people to the threadbare footage. I was amazed at how you could take shaky, jerky, black and white film and make it look as though it was shot now. And so a lot of what he's trying to do is if someone had their iPhone on the battlefield at the time and, and were filming it, then this is the sort of stuff they would um, film. I don't think the quality was quite there, but it was amazing. It was really good. I thought it really brought, brought it to life. They added a lot of voiceovers onto the um, soldiers in there. So often you in these black and white films, you can't tell what they're saying. But they had determined or worked out what they'd said put the voices over the top and it just really brought it to life and, and just showed a lot of these soldiers, just regular young chaps, just trying to make the best of really a pretty horrible situation. So it's both uh, an amazing film visually, um, really good to find out, to see the sort of process from the joining up of these young soldiers, uh, young as 15, some of them, it's crazy. They were like desperate to join up all the way through to the end, to the end of the war. It was an amazing film and you haven't seen it. It's definitely worth watching, just uh, if nothing else for the technology involved and how good it looks. But, it, you know, it's, it's really sorry tale as much as it's delightful. Uh, anyway, I'm going to shut up. Did you have a look at it, Al? Did you watch this? Well, just to add a bit of information to that. Um, yes, I missed it uh, on the TV, but it was on my radar to watch later. Mm. But unfortunately, for some reason, um, iPlayer is no longer allowed to show it. No. Yes, I know. I can see by your face that's a surprise. It was to me as well. Yeah? They're no, I've only, just noticed. Yeah, it's only on there for seven days due to some licensing issue. Wow. Which I find amazing of all the things. To, I mean, there's some stuff on iPlayer that's there all the time. Mm. Some really good, you know, insightful things. 
Um, and given that the BBC, I think, were sort of co, you know, makers of this thing, or at least you know, backers of it somehow. Um, uh, I just, yeah, I think people are really surprised as to why and why there's this, you know, it just seems like a technicality licensing issue that could possibly be got around. I don't know what that is. They, BBC have declined to comment and all this sort of thing. And it's like the most amazing thing. And I've yeah. seen only, I've only seen the advert for it and I, I really want to see it, oh, wow. but I can't. So uh, there are, they are still some showings at local cinemas. Again, I've checked that. My last one round here is tomorrow. <laughs> so that's going to be tricky. Um, you can possibly buy it on DVD in the future. Hmm. Well, I hope yeah. so, because it gives but such I, a good um, recollection of, 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 you know, real footage of, of what actually happened and then testimonials from people who were there. It was amazing. I think it's ama- I think it is an amazing thing. I didn't really appreciate that it was like that long or, or that. I thought it was just like a short bit that they'd done. So I didn't really understand until I looked into it. So, yeah, definitely want to watch it. But just I can't. I just missed it by three days because it, it oh, ran out on man. Sunday. So and yeah, I think a lot of people are like, "Why? Why yeah. not have this on there all the time?" It's well, people are really, so used really valuable. to people are so used to not watching things at, at the time it comes out. It's not like people; most people are are happy with streaming, and they're used to that uh, that timing, and they they can schedule things around them rather than having to wait for the TV to broadcast it. So that is a real shame. It's only for seven days. Yeah, oh, well. I, what I've read, uh, I believe a copy was sent to every school in the UK, but I'm not sure that's that happened. I don't know. Hope so. I'll check with our school. I mean, we watched it yeah. with, our, with our children and they, um, to say they loved it is, um, it, it doesn't sound right, but they, they, uh, they're learning about it at the moment anyway, g- given mm. that it's that time. So they're learning about World War One at the moment. So, and that's what this was focused on. So while there were some bits that were quite horrific in there, it's nothing that they wouldn't see in, in a lot of the history books or video that they're, they're going to watch at school anyway. But to see it like this really really captivating they they you know captivated the whole way through and talking about it afterwards so yeah it's such a shame sorry i didn't i didn't check al yeah no well that there is extra information for our listeners yes yeah, so it is a shame maybe it'll come back on yeah maybe so. there'll be um there'll be some kind of petition or some kind of um fix to this problem and might might be on permanently i don't see why it shouldn't really it seems really such an important thing and a unique yeah uh so th- anyway there we are like like you with insurance, Al, I have a bee in my bonnet about um, streaming programmes like this, particularly with the BBC that come and then get taken off for no apparent reason. Um, I, I do understand licensing issues, you know, especially if they've uh, they purchased to have an exclusive licence for a period of time and they don't own it. But when you have BBC dramas that are funded by the BBC, um, you would imagine that they would have an indefinite licence to, to run that. But hey... Yeah. This is not the place to discuss that. No, um, we don't know all the facts. No. Because so, no one said the facts, so we don't know. So I'm going to throw in a few links into the show notes um, uh, to where the programme is, and maybe it's going to come back later, and also to this Radio Times blog blog post, which hasn't been taken down, which hopefully will be there for years to come for you to read and find out how it's made. Um, so let's move on to uh, the Bath Digital Festival. Um, I, just before you go on out, I had a great time. It was really good fun. It was um, incredibly busy. We were down there for two days. You were there for longer. Um, I think it's a really intense time, but I learned a lot, met some great people and had fun doing our podcast in that in that interesting way as well. But, you know, you've got a summary. So over to you. Yeah, um, I guess my summary from, yeah, I did all four days. Uh, not every event, obviously, because that's, I think that's unfeasible. But I did most anyone that I could. Um I think my kind of main takeaway, sort of looking back 
on the week after I'd had a really good night's sleep on the Friday was um, that, you know, like AI, artificial intelligence, you know, machine learning, augmented reality, you know, they're all here. They're going to grow. They're going to change jobs and the nature of how we live. Definitely. Um, job, you know, some jobs will will go and be replaced by machines, but that's mm. nothing new. So we just need to understand and accept that. But it's not to say that jobs will go, they'll just evolve. There'll be different jobs. Um, so although that's kind of like one side of the coin, I suppose the other side is that at the heart of things, there's still humans, it's people mm. that are, use uh, the tools that are made or, or input their creativity into these into these things. But And also just to remember that not to call people users, you know, to think of them as humans and people. Um, and I think the, to quote from a guy last year, to call um, your users citizens, which I still really like. I think that's just a variation, isn't it, on, on person? I guess they are a citizen of your user sphere. Yeah, no, it's just citizen as someone in the world, you yeah. know, a, 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 a person in the world, which I, I quite like that phrase. Be well, citizen. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's one side, yeah, AI going to change things, but let's not forget it's real people we're dealing with, not numbers and users. Yeah, so that's my takeaway. Yeah, oh, no, it's good. I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Um, we managed to get a quick interview with Jim Morrison, the festival director, who also his main day job is um, a founder of Deep Blue Sky. Um, had a great conversation with him about how it got started, what, you know, what, what the thrust of it is, why it's so good, why it's so unique and how, how people get involved with it. So that's well worth watching. And in fact, you know, we've got we did a whole two days of filming there and reviews of the events we went to see. We're trying to give a flavour of the event, what we'd learned, the sort of points that stuck out for us. So if you're interested in watching that, and I think it's I think it comes across pretty well. Um, that is episode 29 of our Something Inventive podcast. And you can go and see that if you haven't listened to it already, you can go and see that on YouTube. Just search for Bath Digital Festival and that should come up top. I, I, what I want to talk about, I don't want to rehash that because if people want to know about festival, the best place to go is and listen to that podcast. I want to talk about our experience of doing the the video because it's I, I've I've done a little bit of video before, uh, nothing as intensive as this, and we certainly haven't done our podcast in video. So there was lots of lessons to learn, such as having uh, the mic was actually pretty good. We're using these. Um, Sure, MPV things. I, I I'll put the link to them in the show notes. But they're actually not a bad podcasting mic when you're inside, and it worked quite well outside. But it wasn't great. I think we really need to have something like a, I think a lav mic or Lavalier mic where you can clip it near your mouth, so it's going to get a better sound, um, and reduce a lot of um, exterior sounds like traffic in what in one of them or people moving around or other shuffling noises and things like that. I think in some cases we had scenes where the lighting wasn't great um, because we were we were rushed to set up. I think the day end of day one when we're in the pub, we had a bit of lighting behind us, which put us in shadow, um, which was fine from a podcast point of view. And we were aiming for the audio to be better than anything else. So so the, hopefully the podcast was still good. But certainly having maybe a little portable light that we can use in when it's dark 
little battery powered thing would be very handy. And in some cases where I was doing interviews, or I know two instances where I was talking to Al, I was holding the camera in my hand and I kind of was very glad when we stopped talking because my hand was outstretched for a good five minutes and it really hurt and probably started shaking towards the end of it. Yeah, I didn't realise you were you're such a wimp. I didn't I didn't I had no idea. <laughs> well, I, I don't I don't practice that on a day to day basis. No, no, no. Yeah, well we had a tripod with us, I guess. It was just um, that was the most convenient way of doing it. You know, we were running all about the place just trying to find little nooks and crannies to stop and do the recording yeah. at the time. If we were in one place, I think we would be able to find somewhere uh, to do it. But then uh, I think the variation in, in locations is quite good and that's quite nice. And it was, yeah, I suppose if you were to do it again, maybe you'd pre-plan some of the locations. Perhaps you wouldn't do it in the park because we were surrounded by, literally surrounded by traffic. Yeah. Um, Actually, that didn't, that wasn't too bad. You could hear us oh, quite really? well though. Yeah, yeah, it came over quite well. Um, so yeah, I guess you could do a bit if you if someone else was doing a video just to maybe go there beforehand and let's prep some locations mm. uh think about where you know powerpoint things are for charging and stuff if you need to um yeah i had a, a huge uh, battery and, pack with me for making yeah. sure the iphone was charged up oh uh, that's why you were that's why you ran out of energy carrying that thing around. <laughs> um and also perhaps even having two cameras so you can switch yes so you could have i mean we did actually have two cameras on us but we didn't use mine um, but didn't we could have done that. No, I didn't think of it. Just to give some variation in editing mm. of interviews, which from all from one viewpoint, you wouldn't see that on the TV. They would switch because people get bored after about 30 seconds looking at the same scene. So again, that would be something else I would uh, encourage is to do two, two videos, just mm -hmm. to use just cutaways or something like that, you know, so... Yeah, yeah. Go, going to cutaways, um, I didn't feel we took enough additional footage for cutaways. I agree. And one of the things I didn't do uh, in actual talks was do any little short videos. Yeah. I just, for some reason, I just instinctively thought, I'll take a quick photo. Like, that's going to be useful. But I know you did some little videos just in the talks, which then in the vid in the final video looked and fitted in perfectly. Whereas for me, we had to do like the Ken Burns effect on my <laughs> photos because it's just a still photo. So I don't know why I didn't do that. It's, again, it's just forethought and, you know, hindsight. <laughs> so next time, even if it's just a little three or four second video just of people moving around it's fine that that's absolutely excellent yeah i i was feeling very self-conscious about doing video like that i didn't want to i didn't want them to think i was videoing them so i would hold the camera up have it in video mode running and i'll be tapping the screen as if i was taking some photos yeah or or just casually oh my camera's sweeping from left to right yeah it's a bit like that thing in the street where you know you're going the wrong way and you think, I can't just stop and turn around. That just looks weird. I'll put to my phone out, look at it, look surprised. And then, oh, I need to be somewhere else right now. Yes. <laughs> One thing I did find, um, and, and when I was at university, I used to find this too. It, we'd be asked at university to go out and film some um, piece of cameras with people, have a fake news report. So we could get used to doing these interviews, and then we'd cut them up and, and that would be part of our project. I felt that... I could go and approach anyone in the street if I had my job to do as the interviewer or as the camera person. It really didn't bother me. It was not an issue at all. I wasn't uh, self-conscious about doing that because I felt that was my job. You know, I, I was pretending to be an interviewer or a cameraman, so therefore that's what I was doing. And so it felt totally normal. And people would go, oh, is this going to appear on the telly? And you'd sadly tell them, no, actually, this is just one of our projects. And I felt the same with this. I felt much more comfortable about doing the interviews with other people around us because we were doing a job. 
I felt much more comfortable about speaking to Jim because that was our job. We were here recording our podcast and we were trying to do a, a service. So we were doing our job. And I felt that gave us permission. That felt make, gave me more confidence to do these things I wouldn't normally do. It validates what you're doing, doesn't it? And it does enable you to do new things. I, I, I guess it's similar if you were to if you were to try and stop traffic, you would feel much more comfortable doing that in a high-vis jacket. Yeah. And it's just these little things that give, you know, it's really hard to pin down. It's, it's certainly psychological, mm. but just give you the validation and authority and command over things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another thing I would do differently next time, it may not have looked like it in the video or the podcast, but I took a lot of notes. Unfortunately, my camera was being used or my iPhone was being used as the camera at the time. That's what contained my notes. I did have an iPad with me, but the problem was I didn't have enough time to get the iPad hooked up to Internet to download my notes and get them on there. So I had them as reference. So if Al was looking any cleverer than me because he'd written everything down, I'm blaming that. But that's something I'd do next time is either just try and get them on my iPad knowing that I've got this issue or just spend a minute just looking through the notes, just pulling out a few points uh, to write down. Because when I did the interview with Jim, you'll notice I've got a pad of paper in my hand because we wrote down some questions on there and we could just refer to them very quickly and very swiftly uh, beforehand. So I wasn't stumbling uh, for questions to ask him. So that was very helpful. So just maybe spending a minute or two just before we go and record, um, just working out a few key things I want to hit would, would have made um, would have been easier. Yeah, I didn't really consider that. Yeah, I'm just a pen and paper sort of person. So, yeah, it's very flexible. <laughs> um, what was the other thing? Yeah, some, uh, also just, I think it's really useful to come up with some really good open-ended questions for people, like some, I know you interviewed um, that, that the chap from um, Evershare. Um, so I think it's useful to have some, just some, not stock questions, but just a good opener question for, to sort of start talking to people. Yeah. Or if you're, if you're interviewing people, just... A couple of good ones uh, to sort of start people talking and, yeah. to have, and to have thought of those beforehand. Yes, absolutely. And actually, oftentimes you can use the same sorts of questions. They can be very open and generic. Um, and you know what? I didn't think about the interviews of other people until day two. And I think that was a missed opportunity. So next time we're going to do any of this, we should have a couple of these um, sort of generic questions lined up. You know, finding out what people are doing here, what, what what they found interesting so far. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, that's what I do as part of the other side of this podcast is interview people on a regular basis. Uh, I don't know why that didn't even factor into day one. So next time we will be doing that. And that makes it quite fun, I think, going and talking to other people. Um, and the other benefit of talking to other people is you've got more opportunity for them to share it. So there's more people likely to see it because if you can feature someone in your video or podcast, they're more likely to share it. So I don't know why yes. I didn't think of that. There's that there's that sort of like external network thing, isn't there, which is a, a good idea to connect with people completely outside of your network and it opens up whole new networks. And that's really the key to effective sharing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you can learn from a lot of people. It may be little nuggets that you get from people as to something they've learned that you didn't pick up on. Um, maybe they went to see an event you didn't see and you can follow that up, up later. So it's definitely worth doing that anyway. I think going back to the confidence and having permission issue, the fact that we're going there with a job to do of, to document it for our podcast, that just makes it a bit easier because people are much more willing to talk to you. you, you that's actually a really good opener question that you can sit down and talk to them. So um, it was Tim from Evershare. Yeah, he was great. Actually, I kept seeing Tim from the from the morning all the way through to the evening. And I kept seeing at various different events. And he was at the Bath um, and Bristol Cyber Conference. We couldn't keep missing each other, but he's a very nice chap. Anything else? 
No, not on that particularly, I don't think. No, just looking forward to next year. Yeah. Oh, and you got your photo on one of the official Bath Digital Festival photos. That one I sent oh, you. Oh, that's right, where my eyes are closed. Yes, but that's kind of one of the chosen ones that they're using for like publicity and stuff. So. Is it? <laughs> I've looked on all the other photos. I'm not there. So there we go. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, what I what I should do is take the photo and Photoshop it with my eyes open, staring. <laughs> this be weird. <laughs> Brilliant. A deep fake uh, publicity photo. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, it's great. Thanks very much again to everyone who organised. I know it wasn't just Jim. He, he sort of organises the, the the main side of it. But I know there are a lot of volunteers throughout the day mm. coming as mm. part of it. And, and the, the, yeah. as, he, as, as Jim said, the, the sponsors are heavily involved in terms of helping pay for it and keep the costs low for everyone else. So Yeah, I felt like I knew some of the volunteers after like day four to yeah. turn up and sort of be like, I know who you are, but I've got to ask for your name anyway. <laughs> I just end up following these people around. Well, I've, I've put us down to pretty much help with everything. So I want to, you know, if, if we can do any talks, if we can do any um, volunteering and helping and supporting, I think that would be good. Just to, just to help them. It's a good, good cause. Um, anyway, let's move on. I've got, uh, we've got a brand new sponsor, um, a new service we're launching. So let's just go straight into that. Most business owners I meet just need a little bit of help to get stuff done in their business, such as bookkeeping, call answering, event management and marketing, so they can focus on what makes them money. So we've launched a new service called Inventive People to do just that. It's an awesome collective of creative, technical and marketing people ready to help you with the most common marketing and promotional tasks. So if you need a blog article written, your website updated, some new staff photos or a case study video, check out Inventive People doco.uk and as a listener to this podcast you'll get 20% off your first order with the discount code inventive podcast so visit inventivepeople.co.uk pop in the discount code inventive podcast and get 20% off your first order okay moving on so back in september i went to the london podcast festival with my brother sebastian and we took in a couple of shows and I'm just going to run through them quickly and let you know what I learned. So the first one was imaginary advice. Um, and it was presented by a guy called Ross Sutherland. Now, this was one of those events where you just go, well, I'm here anyway. I've got to fill the time. Let's just pop that one in. It was only a couple of quid, just like the Bath Festival. It's actually pretty good value for what you get. So I went to this unknowing really what, what it was going to be about. Um, all I knew is modern poetry um, was basically the broad term of it. Um, I thought it was really good. He essentially, he started off by just giving a quick intro about himself and said that what he was going to do is he, he was going to play some video behind him, found footage, he called it, and he was going to talk over the top of it. And that was it. That was essentially the premise of the whole hour show. Um, I like the idea of that. I thought this is taking me back to the days when mum would take me to the New and Art for Art uh, Centre and we would watch some weird stuff going on there, some various different performing arts or video that um, that she was helping run. And one of the pieces that stuck out to me was he took a trip on the DLR in London from, I think, Bank Station through to, um, uh, I can't remember, one of the stops along that, along that way past Canary Wharf. And what he did is the alternative London tour. So he, you would see the video behind him of the train just sort of ambling along uh, while he was on it. And then um, he would give the uh, a tour of what uh, happened in history in London around that area as and when you stopped at different different points. So it's a bit like a London tour bus, but on Docklands Light Railway. Um, 
it was part his, history or just informational, part comedy, um, part odd things that you don't need to know, but actually quite interesting. Um, and it was a lot, a, a lot like that, really. He was just playing these videos. And the videos didn't always seem connected to what he was saying, but they, they would always sort of time up at certain points. He had practiced them so um, so much that sometimes the sync, it would just go in sync a lot, a lot of the time with what he was saying. Uh, a lot of the videos would loop. So the first loop would be, wouldn't mean much, but as it went through the loop and he was adding to that with more words, it, the concept or the topic or the point he was trying to get across became clearer. My main remark was modern poetry, a bit odd in places, but very enjoyable. Um, I would definitely see him again, Ross Sutherland. Um, so if you see him anywhere and you want an interesting night out, I think that could be uh, worth doing. I know he's um, he's a playwright, so there's something he's putting on in London, which was running over Halloween. It's probably stopped now, but he does lots of different things. So moving on, uh, that was on the Friday. So that was quite interesting. Came back on Saturday and the first thing we went to see was called Nobody Panic. Again, this was one of those events where you go, again, i got time to fill. Let's go and see these, uh, see these two young women and see what they've got to say. It looked quite interesting. While we were waiting to go in, we saw a queue forming. So I thought, oh, that's great. You know, this must be really good if people are queuing to, to go into this, uh, this event. But then we noticed it was primarily women all the way. I think we could see one guy in there. And when we all filtered into the um, auditorium or the workshop space that we were in, we noticed that we were pretty much um, in the very small percentages of men in there. There must have been about four, including myself and my brother. So I, I wonder what I was in for at this time. But it was it was just a podcast like any other. They were just doing it in front of us. And it was these two young women called Tessa and Stevie. And their topic for, for this particular podcast was talking about happiness and essentially it's a mix of them trying to define what happiness is for them in a comedic way, referring back on anecdotes from their life. I mean, they're quite young, so there's lots of, um, you know, they're going out a lot, meeting a lot of other people, so there's a lot of uh, different things that happen. Um, they had this catchphrase, live your life, have a lemonade, because one of the, I, I think one of their friends said that to them because they're agonizing over whether to spend this small amount of money on a lemonade or not. And they were saying, just live your life and have a lemonade because they were saying, you're wasting so much time deciding about whether you should or shouldn't have this blooming lemonade, just have it and enjoy it. And I thought that was quite an interesting phrase from it because that's actually kind of what makes, it gives people hangups about life because they're waiting or they're making decisions and they're just sort of stuck in this holding pattern. And they're not able to move forward. And actually, happiness is being able to move forward and do the things you want to do. Um, so actually, you should live your life and have that have that lemonade. Mm. Um, again, they're really interesting. Um, I've actually got them in my podcast queue. Haven't got around to listening to them yet, but um, worth having a look at these two. So that was uh, their podcast is called Nobody Panic, and that's Tessa and Stevie. I went to another one on diversity. And so they were just talking about diversity in media and podcasting um, specifically, but, but media as a general and trying to get more diversity in terms of male, female, gender, different ethnicities, different backgrounds, because then that represents our our world really more, more than just having, uh, the, certainly in technology, white male uh, opinions coming up a lot. So that was something they were they were trying to promote. A couple of the good things that uh, came out of that on time, it, in terms of trying to monetize or promote your podcast were to release regularly. Now that's something we try and do, but we're not quite there yet. And that's mainly down to me and my organizing the recording schedule more than anything else. It said weekdays uh, are, are a good time to do that. 
Um, and what do they say? Yeah, end of the week if it's fun, early week if it's serious. Where do you, where do you think our podcast lies in that, Al? Are we serious or are we fun? So, so they're basically saying do it at the end of the week if it's a fun podcast and yes. early if it's serious. That's kind of what I was thinking. I was thinking the, the wrong, it was the wrong way around. So yes, you're right. I think fun at the end of the week because it's sort of like Thursday, Friday. People are thinking of the weekend and, yeah, are less serious. Whereas Monday and Tuesday morning particularly, I seem to remember Tuesday morning being the best time to send, like, uh, emails or, you know, get email responses. Because Tuesday people are, like, the most, um, not productive, but kind of the most focused maybe yes. in work. I think with email specifically, it could be that on Monday you've got a lot of email to deal with and you'll just head down ploughing through that, whereas on Tuesday you've got a lighter amount of email coming through, but... Possibly. But maybe so maybe we should release on Tuesdays, which we do tend to actually a lot of the time. Are we serious? Are we serious? Not really. Well, I think we mm. tackle serious topics in a light, fun way. No? Uh <laughs> need to work on that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but releasing regularly, I think, was the key point there. Um, social media engagement, that's something I, I, I it's not that I find hard, I just don't have I don't put the time into doing it. But it's something we should try more in terms of getting more people engaged is to try and push out the content more on social media, talk to people more on social media and get feedback back into the podcast. Having that cycle helps people or it will encourage people to listen because if they have helped form a topic, they're more likely to listen to it or listen out for their referencing their name. Um, the other thing is cross promote with other podcasts, which is something I try and do. Um, certainly we do it with interviews when we get anyone on we ask them to help promote and we were just talking about that earlier about interviewing people can be a good way of getting promotion Um, the final one we went to see was directly on monetization so it's these two Izzy and um, Kobe and both of them have done various different podcasts I know Izzy uh, was doing something called the member cast for the British Museum she was on BBC Four's Making History. Uh, Kobe, what was he on? He was on the Guardian's business podcast, um, is what he, he created, The Wire Stripped, which is where they watch The Wire Cutter and for each episode they talk through each, each episode about the... Um, is it not The Wire Cutter? The Wire. The Wire Cutter? I've <laughs> the not wire heard of cutter the Wire Cutter. Is a, the Wire Cutter is a magazine um, blog where you can find out what the best coffee maker is. That's right. the wire cutter. No, so they, from The Wire, which is a gritty a dra- little, police drama, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, a little it? bit different. Um, which mm. I've not watched, actually, by the way. Apparently it's very good. It's um, been around a while. Yeah, it has been out a while. So they watched The Wire um, and talked through each episode. Basically, a couple of things that stand out for me here. If you get sponsorship, the highest value of sponsorship is at the middle. So midway through is the best place to have a sponsor. That's worth the most. At the start is the next in terms of value, and at the end is the lowest. <laughs> yes. Because that's where people skip. It's very easy for people to skip at the beginning, especially if they know an advert is going to come at the beginning. They'll mm. skip, skip, skip and get past it. Middle, people are a bit more apathetic about skipping because they have to do something. And at the end, they'll know they'll stop before the podcast hits. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that's quite interesting. Um, they also said that if you want to get advertisers um, or sponsors on your podcast, you could start by approaching them and offering a free ad with a money off coupon so they can test and see how that works. So you can get the sponsor in, they can have their free trial, they can see how many codes get used and they can see how effective that is. And then you can start talking money with them. They also said that sponsorships can work to support and grow your audience. So they can you see them as a very supportive force because the sponsor will want the podcast to do well so they get more listeners 
And so if you can get a sponsor on board, they may actually share it with their audience. So you get many more listeners than you would ordinarily. They also said live shows are worth it, even if you have a small group. It can be used to increase listeners because people might drag along friends because it's an easier thing to do. Just like I did, um, you might be going along to an event and you go, oh, I'll look at these two while I'm at it. So having a live show, especially in amongst others, can be really useful. So Al, we need to plan our first live show. Right. Yeah. yeah. I want commitment. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Commi- um, I'm committed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've half done it. We've half done it with a bit with the with the Bath Digital Live thing. So I think I think we're halfway there. <laughs> so I just wanted to quickly run through those. Uh, I I thought it was a very interesting podcast. Uh, I thought it was a very interesting festival. Lots of different things going on there. Um, yeah, and a couple of key points on podcast and monetization. So just to round off, Al. Uh, I think you wanted to talk about .uk domains and how maybe it's time to revisit purchasing one. Oh, yes. Have we got time for this? Yes. Yeah. Okay. A few minutes. Um, So, yeah, .uk domains are the, uh, well, cynically, are a way for for Nominet, the the domain name registry who look after all domains ending in .uk, uh, to kind of um, almost double their money (laughs) because uh, if you've got a .co.uk domain, um up until next year you've got kind of rights to buy the .uk version that's that's only true if you had the .co.uk or .org.uk before i think it was october 2014 i think it's in my mind is with the date so if you've if you had your domain name before then you've kind of got res- reservation rights over buying the .uk version up until june uh 2019 mm. um so yeah it's a bit of a i'm not sure any other a domain has ever had this situation where because you own one you can kind of reserve the other i, I think it's unprecedented I, I don't know of another one that's like this um but what it's done i'm, I'm a bit cynical about it uh i haven't really seen much dot uk you know domains because up until now they're kind of restricted and reserved for the dot code uk domain mm. holders unless that was a new domain name that you've bought and which you would have probably bought the .uk at the same time anyway. There's lots of deals on where you can buy that for like 99p extra for the first year sort of right. thing. So so really they're the same businesses. So yeah. I, I'm kind of not expecting to see many .uk domains around because the way it's been implemented, it's kind of completely squashed that. And I think in some ways that's they've kind of missed the boat in terms of all the new other domains that came out in the meantime. Mm-hmm. And by those I mean like there's almost like 200 of new yeah. domain extensions like dot xyz um dot co although that's kind of been around a little while that's not quite the same um dot app dot io for example all of these new domains that were released people have sort of jumped onto those and some have become really kind of popular with certain niches uh, and some have just sort of like mm, no don't really want those <laughs> uh, which is interesting but uh just to get back to dot uk i think well next year is going to be the kind of yeah is this going to be is this a thing and, and why have I have a domain that's so close to .co.uk. I mean, can you imagine, let's say you had, you know, widgetsforsale.co.uk and widgetsforsale.uk. I mean, do you expect those to be different people? You kind of don't. You expect them to be the same site. And there'll just be a package where when you buy .co.uk, you just get the .uk. So it seems a little bit pointless. Yeah, no, I feel I think that. one thing it's going to lead to is if you haven't bought your .uk, uh, domain name, um, people will just jump on it 
and get it and try and sell it to you <laughs> just for fear of someone else having it. Yeah. So, so you almost like, may as well buy it or don't care. Which exactly, is which is why it's almost like Nominate are kind of holding you, you know, slightly, uh, bl- not blackmail, but they're holding you to uh, some, you know, buying an extra thing you're probably not going to use. Um, it, and if you look at consumer awareness, .co.uk wins in terms yeah. of its, it's not as snappy as .uk, but if .uk was out first, then it would be .uk. And code at UK would look odd. It's just also, what we get used to. Yeah. Also, say that a lot of people, while domain names look can look nice in printed form or when you're advertising, a lot of people will just search for the brand. So actually, having a strong brand name is probably more important than the domain. It is, and you see that a lot. And Google have said they don't really place any relevance on the domain name. Uh, sorry, the domain extension. Yeah. Um, and you do see some quite new domain extension sites coming up. In results, which always makes me think, oh, that's that's weird. Mm. But it, over time, it won't be weird. So, I mean, I quite like you know, .io for like digital type businesses. Yeah, works really well for that. It's short. You know, .co is also really good for yeah, like um, new business. I like .co. And uh, again, it's just unfortunate that it's so close to .co UK. Then we've also got .uk, so it can be confusing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also really close to .com as well, of course. But when I see a .co domain at the moment, I immediately think, okay, these guys are new, so it's going to be good. And in some ways, I, I, I'll almost, in my mind's eye, uh, prioritise a .co over a .com. Oh, really? Because I know, yeah, because I mm. know it's going to be newer and fresher. Yeah. And a .com sometimes might be a little bit of a slow-moving kind of site. I, again, this is... Yeah, I guess it depends what perception. it is. Mm. Yeah, it depends what it is. If I see a, a cool domain name with a .co on the end, I'm like, okay, these guys are going to be, like, recent. It's going to be good. It's going to have UX. Um, it's going to be maybe uh, a... Uh, you know, like a SaaS product or mm. uh, something like this. So, yeah, I, I, .co's get my attention in that respect. Okay. Well, um, if, whereas if... .com's, they've been around for ages. And also, I've I've recently discovered this brilliant site, which is almost a new hobby of mine, called squadhelp.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you can sign up as a creative and help people all around the world come up with um, new names for their businesses and products. And it, it's like a, a crowdfunding, but like crowd naming. So it's a crowd naming website. Uh, and they'll put the brief on there about their new service or website, what have you. And you, as a creative, have to come up with a really cool, snappy name. And in more cases than not, they want a .com name. And in some cases, they'll settle for a slight derivation from their product, uh, their product or brand name, mm. from their domain name. But in some cases, they want it to be an exact match. And come up with a lot of names, uh, which I have done for some people, um, and trying to find an exact match domain name with a .com ending that even you wouldn't imagine that anyone else would have ever thought of, it's already been purchased. Yeah. So you can't submit that name because someone no. else owns it. Uh, and the the bizarre combination of words is you can't imagine that people would have bought these domain names, but they have. And there's nothing mm. on them. They're just hopefully waiting one day for someone to buy it. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole frustrating service. If, um, if you want to have a look at Al's blog, which is a couple of years back now but it will give you some background on the uk domain you can uh, search on our website uh, for dot uk domain names and you it's a very cool title that you had on it then my core advice would be to buy it it's not that much no um i know it's a it's a pain uh just get it to forward to your uk or dot com if that's what you have but just get it it's just one less thing to worry about mm. domain names are really really cheap anyway considering what you get from it so yeah and um, just on that note, a, f- a couple of other blog posts worth checking out. I'm not going to go into them too much, but um, a couple of ones released recently on our website are how to make your website visitors feel welcome. 
Um, there's one called the stickiness factor, and that's how video will help your SEO ranking. And a new one that's just come out about looking for feedback and how you can get feedback using our system, Say Hola. So it's, it's talking about the ways that you might want to get feedback and, and how you might do that. They're all on our blog. So if you go to ratherinventive.com, click on blog, then those are at the top. Right, we should round off. So you can find the show notes for this episode on our website, ratherinventive.com slash podcast and just pick episode 30. You can get in touch with us on Twitter. I'm at Ben Kinnaird and Al is at Inventive Al. Uh, the sponsor this time was Inventive People. If you go to inventivepeople.co.uk, nice and simple, um, and use the discount code Inventive Podcast, then you get 20% off your first order. So maybe you want to load that order up. And if you want to be part of the show, send in your business, marketing or creativity questions for our next episode as a tweet to at ratherinventive or you can email hello at ratherinventive.com. That's it. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next month. Bye now. Yeah, I I felt that I was a bit subconscious actually taking video. And I so I was pretending that I was taking a photo. Because you know on the iPhone you can set the video going, then you can tap it to take a picture as well. So, so I was do you holding... mean self-conscious? <laughs> what you, said I... some... you said subconscious. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> well, it was a subconscious, self-conscious issue. Uh... Really one of those. <laughs> Tell you what, this morning I was subconscious. Um... <laughs> I've thrown your track. I've thrown your... You've thrown my, tra- thrown... Thrown... <laughs> my <laughs> subconscious track. Sorry, um, sorry, yes. Yeah, so where were, we? where were we? Where were we? Where were we?